Religion focuses on right behavior, but relationship, Christianity, true Christianity, focuses on right believing. You don't come into the kingdom of God based on what you do. You come into the kingdom of God based on what you believe. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Kingdom Rock Radio. You are moments away from receiving God's rich word. But first, remember that you can subscribe to our Roku channel as well as our podcast. And don't forget, for more information, you can always contact us at www.kingdomrock.org. And now, here is today's word. All right. Well, welcome once again to our Sunday morning services here at Kingdom Rock Family Worship Center, where Jesus Christ is Lord. And we thank God for all of you here today. You are loved and you are accepted in this house. Kingdom Rock, let's greet our online community. Uh, let's greet them with a hand of applause. Welcome, online community. Welcome. Welcome. <laughs> Wherever you are from around the world, we want to let you know that we love you and we appreciate you so much. And we thank you for being a part of this service. You're not watching by accident or coincidence. We know that God has the divine word in store for you, you, and especially you in the house of God today. Amen. Well, as you know, we've been in a series entitled The Long Way Home. The Long Way Home. And uh, we've been talking about a, a variety of things, and this is part number seven this week. And uh, there's no end in sight. <laughs> there's no end in sight. So we're going to continue and continue until the Lord says, all right, it's time for us to move on to another pasture. And really, that's the responsibility of the local pastor uh, to lead the flock of God to where the head pastor, the chief shepherd, is leading. So from time to time, he would tell us, hey, take the flock over to the west side over there and feed from there. And he may say, take the flock over to the east side and feed from there. And we'll feed from this pasture, we'll feed from it until he says, all right, it's time for us to go back and uh, we'll do other things. You understand? So while he has food available for you, remember, this is the diet that God has prescribed for those in this house and for those that are watching our online community. This is the diet. You say, well, mm, okay, I got that, but I don't see how this really applies to my life at this moment. Understand something. If you say the word is not applicable to your life right now, keep on a living. Because what you'll find out in many cases that is that God prepares you in advance for something that is coming. Or he deals with you with uh, deals with you about something that is happening at the moment. Or he may clarify something that has happened to you. So you listen with open ears to hear the voice of the Lord. Amen. All right, so let's go ahead and go into part number seven. And today we'll subtitle this, The Witness of Jesus Christ. I cannot tell you how important this is that you understand this message and understand its applications. The Witness of Jesus Christ. So powerful. And we'll find all this once again in the book of John, the third chapter, John, the third chapter. So here's our theme verse. Once again, John 3, 16, it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his, what? His only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Everlasting life. I cannot wait 
to get down to verse 16. And one day I know we'll get there. But remember to find, the, to find out exactly what this means. We're, we've been getting context every week. And so we're going to go back there today. Remember the eternal question that we've been talking about all week, or rather all series long, will you choose what? Life or death. Remember that is up to you. It is up to you. God does not take that choice from you. Whether you choose life or death is entirely up to you. Amen? All right, so let's go back. We're going to go ahead and read once again uh, John, the third chapter, verses 1 through maybe 1 through 12, and then we'll go back and talk about it, and then I'm going to tell you about the witness of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. All right. Next week, the Lord willing, we'll talk about the snake in the grass. The snake in the grass, part number eight. There's, there's a lot. All right, let's go back to verse number one. It says, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Verse 7, Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. Verse 8, The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh, and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. And of course, we get down to the verse 9 question. We've been trying to get there for a while. Verse 9 says, And Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? Now, as we said before on last week, as we said before on last week, uh, it's important for us to realize that before Jesus uh, gives Nicodemus this answer, before he gives him the answer, he has to, first of all, break down the strongholds around Nicodemus's mind that are preventing him from receiving truth. And we're going to see this today, that the stronghold around Nicodemus's mind is really called religion. He has to break down the stronghold of religion in order for Nicodemus to receive truth, in order to receive a true relationship with God. Someone said, well, I thought Christianity was a religion. Eh, wrong. It's not. We're going to talk more about that as we go on. So make sure you stay tuned. Don't switch that channel. All right, let's go home. So, so first of all, the Lord breaks down the, breaks down the strongholds over Nicodemus' mind. And then secondly, remember, he drops the bomb on him. And then third, he answers the question there in verse, in verse 14, 15, and 16. Let's look at verse uh, 10 again. Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel, and knowest not these things? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, We speak that we do know, and testify that we have seen. And testify that, and that we have seen, and you receive not our witness. 
All right. Remember, we talked about those two phrases when the Lord says we testify to what we know. The word uh, we know is the Greek word ido. Remember, and ido means to understand, uh, to be skilled in. Really. So let's let's just stay just really on the surface right now to know meaning to understand. Jesus is saying to Nicodemus, we know what we're talking about. We understand what we're talking about. And he also says, we testify to that that we have seen. The word seen there in the Greek means to experience. So we understand what we're talking about and we uh, have experience. We have experienced some things. So saying to Nicodemus, basically, you don't understand the words that are coming out of your mouth, Nicodemus. Uh, you're giving yourself more credit, your group, your partner. Remember, he's a Pharisee, very religious order, very religious. Uh, he's saying to them, you guys are talking, but you don't understand the words you're saying. You have no understanding and you have no proof, no evidence, no evidence that what you're saying is actually true. Now, I want you to see this because this talks. This is I mean, this is fabulous. Look at verse number two again. And let me show you exactly what Nicodemus is saying. Verse number two, it's in verse two, it says, uh, the same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know. Say with me, we know. So this is what Nicodemus is saying. Nicodemus saying, Rabbi, we know. We know that you are a teacher come from God. Really? You know, Nicodemus, that I came from God? then why are y'all persecuting me? If you know, you understand that I came from God, then why are y'all trying to put me on the cross? If you actually know this. Remember, Nicodemus testified himself, we know that you are a man, that you came from God, a teacher no less, a teacher meaning we know that you have received divine instruction from God Almighty. That's what Nicodemus is saying. We know that that, that that is true. Well, if you know that, then why don't I see the fruit of that in your life? So Nicodemus is very religious. And listen, there are a lot of people that are very religious that say, I know Jesus. I go to church, I study my Bible, I try to take care of people. I know him, I know him, but there's no fruit of Christ in your life. When Jesus speaks, they're the first ones to reject. So you can be very religious, very religious. And remember, a simple definition for the word religion simply means that um, it's doing the same thing over and over and over and over again. But we're going to go a little bit deeper into that today as we talk about uh, the dangers of religion, the dangers of religion. So I need you really to get this because you could be religious and on your way to hell. There are a lot of people sitting in our churches, sitting or who call themselves Christians that are religious. They have received a form of godliness, but no power in their lives. Religion is also very, very deceptive, and it is like a slippery snake. You may not know that you are uh, more into religion than relationship. The Holy Spirit has to reveal it to you. And I'm going to tell you some differences about the two. But let me ask you this question, and I need you to be honest. 
need, to, need you to hear me and be very honest, okay? Can we do that? Amen. All right. If you were to die at this moment, and an angel stood before you and said to you at the, at the pearly gates, and said to you, why should I, should I allow you to come into heaven? If this is the question that is standing before you, why should I allow you to come into heaven? This is a huge angel, tall as a skyscraper, huge. And he asks you that question, puts the mic in your face. Why should I allow you to come into heaven? If your answer has to do with you, you are religious. And I'm going to break that down for you. If your answer says, well, I go to church. Well, I try to do good. Well, I paid my tithes. I try to forgive everybody. Understand, one thing that religion does, religion always points to behavior. Trying to give you moral behavior. Trying to make you act a certain way. Trying to make you appear godly before men. That's religion. And that's exactly what the Pharisees had. They had religion. Remember, Jesus said that you guys are like whitewashed sepulchers or whitewashed tombs. You're clean on the outside, but inside you're filled with dead men's bones. Again, if you stand before the Lord, stand before that angel, and you tell him everything that you have done, you negate the work of Christ. Because you're saying that your salvation is about how good you have been. Now that's important for you to know, because if you think that God will bless you according to your goodness, then that means as well that you think that God will curse you if you've been bad. These are religious concepts. If I am good, I get good. If I am bad, I ought to get bad. Now, this is especially dangerous to our prayer life and our relationship with God. Because when you are born, of, born again, born of God, the Father calls you his child from the very beginning. He calls you his child. When you are born again, your status as child of God does not change based on what you do. God's love for you does not increase for you because you've been good. It does not decrease for you because you've been bad. His love is perfect and it is unconditional. If you think that he will love you more or bless you more because of how you've been acting, you've been very good, then that means that his love is conditional. That would mean that his love is merit-based, that he will only bless you and only give to you, only be good to you because you have merited it, because you have deserved it. And if we're going to go to a deserving or, or merit-based salvation, well, that's called law. That is not grace. Grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. And grace and truth is the testimony, is the witness that Jesus came to give. Nicodemus said, we know that you are a teacher come from God. We realize that, that you are a teacher, that you have come from God. Because nobody can do what you do except, uh, I mean, can do, nobody can do what you do except God be with them. You've done all these miracles, so you must be that. 
Well, if you know that I came from God, if you know that I have the word of God, then why isn't it seen in your life? Does that make sense? So our duty, especially in this series and in our lives, first of all, I don't want any of you to go to hell. I don't want any of you to stand before God on that judgment day and think that because you have done well, that God will be pleased with you. No, the reason that God is pleased with you is that you have received Christ as your Lord and Savior, and Jesus' goodness has been transferred to you. He has imputed righteousness to you because of what Christ has done, not because of what you have done. Going back to the sin issue. If you think that God loves you less or will bless you less because you have sinned, again, religious. Religion works externally, forcing good behavior, trying to get it internally. It focuses on your actions. Well, you got to stop smoking. You got to stop, stop cussing. You got to stop drinking. You got to stop sleeping around. You got to stop this. Oh, but you got to start coming to church. You got to start studying your Bible. You got to start praying and you got to start fasting. It focuses on the external, hoping that the external pressures that you're putting on yourself will produce internal rewards. But it doesn't work that way. All that will produce in you is a sense of self-righteousness and spiritual pride. Because you'll start looking down upon others because in your own estimation, you have been so good and how dare they even breathe the same air that you're breathing. Don't touch me. I'm holy. You understanding? If it's all about you and what you have done, then when sin comes up, you think that you're no longer worthy. You are no longer worthy for the blessing. How can God hear me? Because I have done this, that, or the other. How can he heal me? How can he restore this? How can he, can he bless me with this? I've done so much bad. How can he? Why would he? What are we looking at? You, you, and you. Again, religion focuses on the external. Religion focuses on what you do. But grace and truth focuses on what Jesus did. Religion focuses on right behavior. But relationship, Christianity, true Christianity, focuses on right believing. You don't come into the kingdom of God based on what you do. You come into the kingdom of God based on what you believe. Need I remind you once again about John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him. Whosoever believes in him. Not whoever does good. Not whoever does not sin. Not whoever does not do this and that. No, that tells you there, right there, that, listen, again, religion emphasizes right behavior. True Christianity in relationship with God emphasizes right believing. And all right believing will lead to right behavior. 
Let me say that again. Right believing leads to right behavior. If you see yourself and you say, man, why do I keep doing this? Why do I keep doing that? You have believed something incorrectly. You have believed a lie in that area. Does that make sense? So I wanted you to know the differences again between religion and Christianity, true biblical Christianity. Can't be further apart. Can't be further apart. You may see two people at the door, two people at a door, and they're, they're going around knocking on doors in the community. One is doing it, trying to be good. I got to do this. God will like this. If I do this, I'll feel better when I go and tell somebody about Jesus. I'll feel better. I will feel good. This is something that I know I have to do. The other says, well, I'm knocking on this door not to be good, but because I am good. He has made me good. He has made me acceptable in his presence. And I want to share that with others. There's a difference. Are you hearing? So again, I want you to remember that, uh, that religion focuses on the pattern of God, but not the person of God. Religion focuses on the pattern, but not the person, the person himself. So if, you, if someone were to ask you that question again, if you're going to heaven, and if you bring up you, you are quite religious. And if you are religious, your, religious, your religiosity, if I can say that, will prevent you from receiving from God. Your religiousness will prevent you from receiving from God. You wonder why I haven't received this or having received that in life. You'll find the reason is something that you have failed to believe. Or you haven't received this because you're still trying to qualify for it. If you're still trying to qualify for a blessing, then you're not receiving it by grace. You're receiving it based on your works. If you say, I should have received this by now because I have done boom, 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 religious. If your answers always point back to you and to your behavior, whether you've done well or done poorly, religious, and you actually negate the work of the cross, because God knew that you can't do it. He, know, he knew that you couldn't be good enough. And if you go about trying to set your own righteousness, trying to do things your own way, apart from the work of Christ, you'll find that that is a stench in the nostrils of God. Does that make sense? Now, I want you to observe this because, uh, again, this religious system will only foster a sense of self-righteousness and pride. And pride and a spiritual pride. Remember, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So you be honest with yourself for a moment. Be honest with yourself. Have you ever come across someone that you knew was in sin? You knew they were in sin. You knew that uh, they were doing something wrong. And have you ever felt something rise up within you to look down upon them? Be honest with yourself. And then if that's true, that's a religious spirit. Because that's not what Christ does. Are you understanding let me give you some scriptures that's going to help uh, bring this point out to you that will help you to understand. Because remember, one reason that we have not received in different areas of our lives 
It's probably because we've been trying to qualify for the blessing. And as long as you try to qualify for the blessing, you will not receive. Jesus told Nicodemus, you don't receive my witness. And if you don't receive the Lord's witness, if you don't receive his his testimony, the, the witness of Jesus Christ, then you cannot receive anything that he has for you. You're not going to receive salvation. You're not going to receive healing, deliverance, finances, whatever else that is needed in your life. And remember, you can receive Christ in one area and reject him in another. Your whole heart has to be given to the Lord. Whole heart, whole heart life, whole heart devotion. And really, uh, in this you will find sometimes with people in other type of cultures where their whole entire culture is based around their belief in God. They dress a certain way. They act a certain way. It's taught, this curriculum is taught in their schools. Their whole life is based on that belief. But you come into some segments of people who say that they're Christians. Their belief in Christ can only be seen maybe two hours a week. And that's on Sunday morning. And the rest of their lives are not built around Christ, are not built upon Christ, is built upon self. Christ is not the center of their lives. Pleasure is the center of their lives. And they go about trying to build their own kingdoms, doing their own will, and then sprinkle in a little bit of Jesus here and there. Hallelujah. I told you three hours of sleep, you better watch it. <laughs> Let me give you some scripture. Listen to Proverbs 30, verse 12. Proverbs 30, verse 12. Listen to this. The Bible says, there is a generation that are pure in what? Pure in their own eyes. And yet is not, rather, and yet is not washed from their filthiness. Pure in your own eyes. And yet filthy. Look at Luke, Luke 11. As the Lord talks about those Pharisees again in the religious group. Luke 11, verse 39, it says, Then the Lord said to him, You Pharisees are so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you are filthy, full of greed and wickedness. Again, religion says, do this, do that, do this, and don't do that. And if your life is built around do this, do that. And if you're holding yourself to a standard that you can't even keep, you will also hold others to that standard, that same standard. And this was a problem with, uh, with some of the apostles. I believe when Paul went to Peter, uh, because Peter began to tell the Gentiles that you've got to live like us Jews. You've got to follow the law. And he had to straighten him out and say, hey, you couldn't even keep the law. And you're trying to tell them to keep it. If you're holding yourselves to these religious standards, then others around you, you'll also try to hold them to those same religious standards. But true Christianity starts from the inside out. When you are truly born of God, the Holy Spirit comes inside of you and he begins to act upon the word that's seated in your heart. The Bible says, and we'll look at this, that uh, through the engrafted word, through the implanted word, God will save your soul. 
And as he saves your soul, your actions and behaviors begin to change. Religion is outside in, forcing you to change when you haven't changed inside first. This is the danger of many people that have come into the house of God. And uh, we see a man who comes in and I've seen this man who comes in. He gets he comes straight out of prison and then he comes. He's just seeking God. He just wants to be saved. He just wants to be right. Um, he, he's been in a gang, so he's tattooed up and he and in the gang, they tell him in order to be a part of our gang, you got to wear these certain colors. You got to put your pants down this certain way. You got to, you know go to the side and do all that stuff. That's what we do at our gang. We, we talk this way. We dress this way. We do this. If you want to be a part of us, then you must do this. Well, the man goes to jail after doing all this stuff. He commits the crime. He comes out of jail, just wants to know Jesus. He comes to the house of God, and then he gets around a religious group that tells him the same thing. In order to be a part of our group, you got to dress this way. You got to wear this. You got to do this. You got to do that. You got to do this. You got to do this. And so he leaves one set of shackles for another set of shackles. All the while, still has not been changed from within. True Christianity is based on the finished work of Jesus Christ. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it is initiated when you believe in him. And as you continue to believe in him, continue to confess him, your life continues to be changed from the inside out. Understand? Look at the next scripture here. Let's go to Luke 7, Luke 7, 39. Or rather, no, 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 I'm sorry. Let's go to uh, Luke 18. Luke 18 and 9 says this. Luke 18 and 9, as the Lord was uh, giving a parable about Pharisees again and tax collectors. He says, he was saying this parable, it says verse number nine, to some who were confident in their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else. Jesus told this parable. You see that? If you find yourself looking down on others, you are quite religious. And I'm sure you will burn brightly in hell. if that is a possibility. But we want to avoid all of that. You understand what I'm saying? All right, let's look at uh, Luke 7. Luke 7, verse 39. Luke 7, verse 39. It says, when the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he said to him, as a, now, one of the Pharisees invited Jesus, here again, Pharisee, right? Pharisee invited Jesus over to dinner. And while Jesus was there at dinner, a prostitute came in. And this is the one who began to uh, cry at Jesus' feet and wipe his feet with her hair. Remember that? Uh, This one verse from there, Luke 7, verse 39, he says, When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to him, If this man were a prophet, if he were of God, if he were saved, you get me? He would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. So they're saying, in effect, look, I'm holy. You're not. Get away from me. That's a religious spirit. You understand what I'm saying? 
That's a religious spirit. And as long as a religious spirit dominates our thinking, as long as you continue to condemn yourself because of things you have done, as long as you focus on what you've done, I've done bad, look at this, I've, I, I've, I've, you know, I, I've sinned, I've been drunk, I've done this, I've, I've had an abortion, I've done that, I, I slept with this one, and I, I've cursed, I've lied, I, I've done all these things, and the enemy forces you to look at you, what he's doing is getting you, is really embracing you with a religious spirit that will disqualify you from the blessings of God. Or if you say, hey, I've done this and I've done that. I've really done good. I've been praying every day. I've been studying every day. I've been fasting every day. So I ought to be blessed. And that's one reason why God is not going to do it. Because if you get the blessing based on your righteousness, then you think that you're the Savior. So you build up a sense of spiritual pride and God will resist you because you think you got this because of you and not based on the goodness of God. God is good. God is good. And when you believe the testimony of Jesus Christ, the witness of Jesus, not only just for salvation, and that's the greatest miracle. But as you receive, the same way you receive salvation is the same way that you receive every other miracle. You receive salvation knowing that you weren't good enough to receive it. Knowing that you did not qualify for the blessings of God. Knowing that you were not, I mean, you weren't good enough. And you received, you receive his goodness, you receive his grace based on his merit, based on his favor. But then we leave the cross, we leave that place of connecting with God, and we go out, now you're saved, and now we think, hey, it's all up to me now to be right. It's all up to me now to be holy. It's all up to me now, so I've got to do this. You leave believing, Jesus, it's all you. I can't do this. Save me. It's all you, Lord. I can't do this. Save me. Then I got to stop doing this now. I got to stop doing that now. I, I, I got to start. And I, and I, and I. And you do that in your own strength. And what happens? You fail. The same way you continue is the same way you started. Admitting, Lord, I can't do this. It all has to be you. The same way you forgave me is the same way I want to forgive others. The same way you love me is the same way I want to love others. I have freely received from you and I need to freely give. Does that make sense? The differences between religion and Christianity, again, if you are religious in any area of your life, that door has been closed to Christ. Because religion, again, will, will try to foster a sense of pride, spiritual pride. And if you're not receiving from whatever area in your life you're not receiving, check up and see, ask yourself the question, am I trying to qualify for this blessing? Have I yielded completely to the Lord? We're about to close today. 
Let me show you this scripture in um, James, the first chapter, verse 21 and 22, two verses. We've already quoted it, but I wanted to show it to you anyway. And we're almost done today. Hope someone's getting something out of this word today. I pray that you're being delivered and I pray that you will examine yourself. Pray that you will examine yourself. Because the fact of the matter is, no matter how good we are, we cannot be good enough. All right. It says in verse 34, rather uh, verse 21, wherefore lay apart all uh, filthiness and, and superfluity of naughtiness. Simply, that simply means uh, moral filth and evil in your lives. Lay it aside and receive with meekness the engrafted word or the word that has already been planted in your heart, which is able to save your souls. God's word must be planted in your heart. Right now, we're planting the word in your heart. Right now, God's presenting his word to your heart. You have to allow it to be planted in you. And that word that is planted will save your soul. Listen also to what the Lord says here in uh, John, the 15th chapter, John 15, one verse, verse number three. This will help bring it even clearer to you. He says, the Lord Jesus says, now you are clean or now ye are clean through the what? Word. Through the word which I have given unto you. So if there's some sort of false activity going on in your life, some sort of hard sin, something that is bad, get the word in you. Realize that sin does not disqualify you from being a son or daughter or a child of God. Because once you are truly born of God, you are truly born of God. And if you are indeed born of God, remember, the Bible says that God will chastise. He will rebuke those that he loves. If you be not chastised of God, then you're not a son. You're something illegitimate. Now, listen, let me say this as well. God does not chastise you with sickness. I've heard people say, I've heard Christians say, God's punishing me. I've done this and that, and God's punishing me. God's punishing me. That's why I can't get anything. God's punishing me. God's punishing me. That is one of the most ignorant things I've heard in my life. Why is that? Because Jesus took your place upon that cross. The wrath of God was poured out on the body of Jesus Christ, poured out upon Christ. For everyone that is in the body of Christ, for everyone that belongs to Jesus, God has no more wrath concerning you. His wrath concerning you was extinguished in the body of Jesus. He is fully satisfied. He has no more need to punish you. Jesus took your place. He took your punishment for you, for me. He took the punishment. So God no longer punishes those that are in the body. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Are you hearing? His wrath was exhausted in the body of Jesus. So God's not punishing you. But the father will discipline his children. He will correct you. You feel that inner witness of the spirit. Oh, now you know you shouldn't have said that. Oh, now you know that now. You know you got to get that right. 
You feel the chastisement, the, the gentle leading of the spirit, sounding so soft at first, but then if you keep on being ignorant, keep on re being rebellious, you get louder and louder and louder and louder and louder. It is as if the, the bridge is out down the road and you're driving with somebody, you tell them, hey man, uh, turn around, the bridge is out, but they keep on going. You say, okay, hey, the bridge is out. But the more they keep driving, the closer and closer and closer you get to them. At first you were saying, hey, the bridge is out. But now you're getting close. Hey, man, the bridge is out. Turn this car around. You hear what I'm saying? The voice of God will get louder and louder and louder and louder until you correct that thing. And I'm grateful for that. Hallelujah. God knows us. Hallelujah. He knows how to deal with us, how to talk to us. Hallelujah. I'm so thankful for that. He won't let you go off into the ditch. He'll speak louder and louder so that you will hear. Amen. Amen. That is, if you are his own. But of course, we know we have some masquerading people who say they're saved, but they have not heard a correction. They've not heard a word. They can keep on going. Didn't bother them because they've never received him. They've never believed. They've been religious. They've been religious. And this is why the Lord says that in the last days, in the last days when he comes, when the time of the rapture comes and, and he will say, you know, as it gave, gave the, the parable of the wheat and the tear, the Lord says, let them both grow up together. They, 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 they look similar. Let them both grow up together in a time of harvest. And you better clearly see who is of God and who is not. Are you hearing? Let's wrap this thing up. So Jesus said to Nicodemus, you didn't receive my witness. He says, you didn't receive his witness. You didn't receive his testimony. He said, we speak what we know and we testify to what we have seen and you don't receive my witness. So let me say this again. Oh, let me ask you this question as we close. Have you received the witness of Jesus? Have you received the witness of Jesus? First, first and foremost, have you received the witness that Jesus is from God? That he is the only path to salvation. Have you received the witness? And I, would, I tell you that there are a lot of people that do not believe that Jesus is the only way to get to God. There are a lot of people. I'm not talking about people in the world either. I'm talking about people that darken the doors of a church every Sunday. They believe that there is some other way other than Christ. You have not believed his witness. Jesus said that no man comes unto the Father but by me. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Have you received his witness? If you have not received his witness, then you cannot receive anything else that he has for you. And if you have received him as Lord and Savior, have you continued to receive his witness? Have you set your seal upon him? Let me show you this. Let's go to John, the third chapter, same John, third chapter, verse 31, 32, and 33. John the Baptist gives witness to Jesus. I really want you to see this. I pray that you will set your seal to Christ. He said in verse 31, 
He that cometh from above is above all. Talking about Jesus. He that is of the earth is earthly and speaketh, speaketh of the earth. He that cometh from heaven is above all. Look at verse 32. And what he hath seen, talking about Jesus, what Jesus has seen and heard, that he testifieth. And no man receive his testimony. Look at verse 33. He that hath received his testimony, so obviously someone has, he that hath received his testimony hath set to his seal that God is true. Now, a seal is a, uh, we can say it this way, it's a seal of approval. It is a guarantee. It is your personal mark stating that this thing is authentic. If you are, if someone you know, or you may be a notary, or you know someone that has a notary seal, when you sign before them, they put their seal and they stamp it, saying to the, saying to the person who would review this document later, that I attest, I attest and I authenticate uh, and guarantee that this is true. So-and-so signed these papers, this is them, stamped. So when you believe in Christ, when you receive his testimony, you set your seal that what God said is true. Jesus is the savior of the world. Jesus is the lamb of God. Jesus is the only way to get to heaven. He is the only way to remain in heaven, to get uh, to become in right favor with God. He is the only way. Have you set your seal? Have you marked it out? When you do that, God also marks you. When you mark and say that this is true, he also marks you. Look at this. Go to Ephesians 4 and we'll stop here. Ephesians 4. And I want to read this to you out of two translations. One, the King James, and the other one, the New Living Translation. When you mark... And you set your seal that Jesus is the Son of God, that he is God in the flesh, the Savior of the world, and that his blood and his blood only atones for your sins. It washes them away. When you set your seal, then God also sets his seal upon you and marks you. Listen to this, Ephesians 4, verse 30. It says this, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are, what, sealed unto the day of redemption. When you receive Christ, the Holy, Spirit move, the Holy Spirit moves in and he seals you. He marks you out. Let me show you this in the New Living Translation. It says, Ephesians 4, verse 30, New Living, it says, And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit. By the way you live, remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. When you believe in Christ, God sends his spirit into your life and the Holy Spirit marks you. He sets his seal on you, guaranteeing that you'll always be safe, guaranteeing you that on the day of judgment, you'll have no need to be afraid, guaranteeing 
that your name will be found written in the Lamb's book of life. But in order for him to set his seal on you, you must set your seal on him. You must believe his witness. Jesus says to Nicodemus, you don't receive my witness. But of course, after this encounter with Christ, Nicodemus did. He repented. But the others did not. They hurried him onto the cross. So today, you have to decide, is Jesus telling the truth? Is he from God? Does his blood really wash away your sins? Does the work that he did, was, was that good enough for you in your life? Do you receive the truth, the grace and truth that came by him? Or are you still stuck in making your own way, doing your own thing? You have to set the seal and you have to believe the testimony, the witness of Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name for the word that you've given us today. Lord, I pray with all of my heart that your people will receive your witness. Father, I pray that they will believe the testimony of Jesus and that you would make them whole, that you would place your stamp of approval on them, and that you would make them righteous in your sight. And Father, I pray that today that you would tear down walls of religion, tear down the strongholds of religion from our minds, that we may truly see who you are and receive your witness. And that healing and deliverance and everything else that we have been in need of, that's been kept from us, let those things flood in. Lord, we love you so much. We present this word to you. In Jesus' name, amen. We pray that you have been richly blessed by today's message. Remember, if you would like to hear today's message in its entirety or hear the entire series, just go to our website at www.kingdomrock.org. That's kingdomrock.org. You can also subscribe to our podcast and get it on the go. And if you have a Roku device, make sure you search for Kingdom Rock TV. And there you will find this program and so much more. We would also love to see you in a live service. Just go to our website to get the details at www.kingdomrock.org. Until next time, remember that Jesus loves you and so do we. Choose him as your Lord today. Only he can make a way.